Worldwide parent coach and conscious educator, Sue DeCaro, is on a mission to revitalize the joy in parenting. Welcome to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids, a podcast designed to help parents all over the world create deeper connections with themselves and their children while overcoming life's daily parenting challenges. Listen in if you want to bring more laughter, love, and enjoyment to your home life. Welcome to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids, a place for all things parenting. I am your host, Sue DeCaro. On today's episode, I have invited a special guest, Dr. Ken Ginsberg. Dr. Ginsberg is a pediatrician specializing in adolescent medicine at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, a professor of pediatrics at the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine, and founder and director of programs at the newly established Center for Parent and Teen Communication. The theme that ties together his clinical practice, teaching, research, and advocacy efforts is that of building on the strengths of teenagers by fostering their resilience. Dr. Ginsburg strives to translate the best of what is known from research and practice into easy-to-use approaches that parents, professionals, and communities can use to build resilience. He travels the world to speak to parent, professional, and youth audiences, and is author of five award-winning parenting books. Ken, thank you so much for joining me. I love the work that you're doing, and I'm quite curious how you're able to do all of these things. Um, Hi, Sue. Um, Thank you so much for wanting me to be here. You know, everything that I do focuses on the same general idea, which is, well, I serve youth directly, but otherwise it's about getting the adults who surround youth to be the kind of people that young people deserve in their lives. So even though I wear all of these different hats, it's all about the same thing. I love it. Well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about teens and their parents and the challenges that you're seeing today. What do what do you see most in terms of today's challenges and how can we bring about the best support for our adolescent community? Right. Um, well, adolescence always has been a time where young people are stretching. They are natural explorers. They are super learners. They are always stretching their limits in a way that ideally is going to be healthy because this is the time where they're going to grow at astounding rates um, to match the astounding development of their brain. Um, so the challenge is when adults don't know quite how to uh, support young people to stay within healthy and appropriate boundaries. But when adults do know how to do that, um, I think you'll find that adolescents are actually some of the best people on the planet. We can learn so much from them, can't we? If we just step back and allow them a little independence to be able to learn who they are, right? Absolutely. You know, the main question, Sue, that adolescents are asking themselves is, who am I? And that takes a lot of hard work and a lot of exploration. But, you know, you brought up whether we can learn from them. And first off, let's say that we can all learn from any other human being. Let's start there. But let's talk about what's super duper special about adolescents. Um, They are seeing possibilities and complexities and nuances for the first time. When they were children, they were concrete thinkers. You know, they saw things as they were. You told them something, they believed it. You told them something couldn't be changed, they accepted it. So in that way, it was kind of relatively easy to parent or to watch young kids grow up. 
Now, adolescents understand how complicated the world is. And thankfully, they choose not to avert their eyes to things that we've stopped seeing. So adolescents are the people in our societies who see what's wrong and ought to be fixed and wonder why it hasn't been. So when you ask me why we haven't uh, or whether we can learn from them, yes, yes, triple yes. I love it. But I'm going to add a but here. We don't always as parents. So, you know, my, my kids are young adults now. I'm still learning from them. But when they were younger, I wasn't able to step back and allow them some of the experiences of learning, you know, like you said, the, the big question, who am I, and finding their own path. And I find in my work worldwide, a lot of parents feel like they have to usher the child down, you know, a specific pathway and be sure that the child turns out, you know, as whatever X, Y, you know, whatever our values are. So what is your suggestion or message to parents, you know, specifically that can help them to offer the platform or the freedom to some extent to their kids to explore and find themselves without the parent really needing to navigate that? Well, the parents do not need to navigate that and they shouldn't navigate that because this is the adolescent's journey. And if the adolescents don't uh, guide their own journey, they're never going to trust where they land. But, but, but adults are absolutely guides along this navigational pathway. So I am literally the last guy on the planet who's going to say, parents, get out of the way. Parents have a role. Parents matter as much during adolescence as they did in early childhood. But their role is different. They protect in a different way. They guide rather than dictate. They're sounding boards rather than dictators. They listen more than they talk because our job is to shape young people to be their best selves, Sue, their best selves. Can I, can I give you a metaphor that I think is helpful or with family, just kind of yeah. putting it simply, right? So we talked about um, adolescence as uh, answering this question, who am I? Now I want you to imagine that who am I is a jigsaw puzzle. It's 10,000 pieces or 1,000 pieces. Um, how do you put together that puzzle? The first thing you do is you put together the borders. That's parents' job. Parents' job is to set very clear boundaries beyond which kids cannot stray and for which kids can push against. Very clear boundaries around safety um, and around... Uh, because uh, when it's about safety, you know, you'll need to do what I say. Why? Because I love you. Or around morality. We can't dictate morality, but we can certainly say when I am concerned that you are going to the limits of who I think you're capable of being. Right. So that's what we do. We set the boundaries. What's the next thing you do when you're putting together this puzzle of life? Who am I? So what do you do? Yeah. Yeah. You put together the pieces that are the same color. Right. I, I start to work on sections. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So you put together the reds, you put together the blues, and, and then you ask yourself, gosh, the reds, is that going to be a cranberry? Is it going to be a balloon? Is it going to be a fire engine? Well, you don't have the patience to wait. So what do you do? You look at the picture on the box. That's the next role of the parent, right? 
The parent's role is to role model. We are the pictures in the box. And when we set appropriate boundaries and when we um, uh, are good role models, kids can handle most of the rest. Because what's left? It's all those irregular, jagged pieces in the middle. That's where you get out of the way, Sue, right? I, like I it's within it. safe yeah. boundaries. You've set some pretty clear rules to keep kids safe. And you have role models including living your values, right? But if you don't let kids fall down in the middle, then they're never going to figure out who they are. Yeah, that's what I love. And I love the puzzle, the way you're you know, describing it as a puzzle. And I absolutely agree. The middle pieces, when they try to fit something together that doesn't fit are you know, the mistakes and the learning opportunities that our children absolutely need in order to grow. Um, one of the things I always talk to parents about is that when we make a mistake, we learn the most if we are given the opportunity from the guides in our lives, the parents, to walk through it in a way that doesn't feel uh, shameful or, you know, full of punishment and consequences, but a learning, you know, a teaching and a learning opportunity or moment to move forward in a different way. Yeah, if you want your kids to be successful, you have to actually celebrate these missteps. I wish we could take away the word mistakes, right? Because it's just associated with too much badness. How about missteps? How about opportunities for growth? How about stumbles? Because with a stumble, you can always get back up, right? And, and if you really want your kid to be their personal best and to strive to, to uh, succeed in whatever direction they're succeeding in, you have to know that they're going to get there only through failure and recovery. They're even going to discover what they're interested in. Because when they make a, I'll use that word, mistake, and they go, well, I never want to do that again, that's not their career, right? But when they make a mistake and they're like, oh, I can do better next time. I have to figure this out. I have to look this up. I have to figure out the workaround. They found their career because they will be forever fascinated with improvement. Yeah. I absolutely agree. And I think for many of us parents, we've been conditioned differently. And so we show up differently. So it's a new opportunity to look at this parenting journey in a different way in terms of how we engage with our adolescents, you know, young adults, and offer them the opportunity to, to continue to learn, to not feel shamed, to not feel uh, unhappy or uncomfortable with a mistake. And again, you know, to come back to the word modeling that you have brought up, I mean, that's that's another way to show our children that we also learn from our own missteps. I'm, I'm going to hold on to that word missteps. I really like that. Um, but, you know, they, they see us. How do we handle a misstep? What do we do? Are we shaming ourselves? Are we, you know, our self-talk really horrendous and, you know, hold ourselves to such a high standard that we can't accept? those things that occur that are missteps. Let's take this to another level, Sue. Love it, so yeah. What we want is for um, young people to be talking to their parents, right? Mm -hmm. So one of the things that they are watching is how you handle mistakes, right? And so if you make a misstep and you are self-compassionate and forgiving with yourself rather than condemning or judgmental with yourself, they're watching you. That's their trial balloon, right? And if they see that you can be forgiving of yourself, 
then they go, huh, I'll bet they'll be forgiving of me too. And that's going to make them more likely to disclose to you when they really need you. So I could, gosh, I could probably go through a list of things that parents could do to take care of themselves that just by modeling that, they're going to have a better relationship with their kids. But you brought up a real like winner of them. Yeah, well, it's, you know, I think that we have to keep reminding parents how important this is. You know, it's it, it couldn't be more important, right? You know, just to be the model in every way, shape and form. And the things that you believe are important values, you have to actually model them for your children. Otherwise, how will they how will they see them in action? When when I was growing up, probably well before you, um, my parents used to say, do what I tell you to, you know, do what I say, not what I do. And that was the big theme way back then. Now kids are doing what we do. They're not really listening to what we say as much, in my opinion. You know, so, they, they were always doing what we do. So the fact that parents said that didn't make the difference. They were, you know, we are role models, whether we like it or not. And even if we say it, kids, don't watch us, don't do what I do, do what I say, they're still doing what I do. Why? Because adolescence is about answering, who am I? We're raising kids to become 35 and 50 year olds. Who are they looking for? They're looking at us. And that was true of your parents too, except that when our parents were really demanding and authoritarian. We still copied what they did, but some of us went in the exact opposite direction as well, which is doing the opposite of what they did because we felt so um, controlled, right? Mm -hmm. uh, good discipline, good parenting isn't about control. It's about modeling self-control. It's about teaching. Yes, for sure. Well, I'm not going to share any horrible stories from my childhood in terms of which direction I went, but <laughs> I love your points. Let's touch on resilience because uh, I know that you're a big believer that we have to help our children and teach our children uh, ways to become and be you know, able to engage with their own resilience. Can you share with us what in your uh, expertise resilience is and then how we can help our children? to be more resilient, especially today. Yeah, so the most uh, simple definition of resilience is to bounce back from adversity, to kind of rise above difficult times. But I think that that is actually um, too simple of a definition because um, if you think that resilience is only about getting past difficult times, you might still try too hard to shield your child from ever having the difficult times. So I think it's also important to understand that resilience has you not only uh, get past difficult times, but it has you thrive in the best of times because you will draw the best out of life. And when we know that, I think it makes us more likely to allow our children to have opportunities to build their resilience instead of just shield them. Because, you know, we, we, we all want to protect our kids. Gosh, you know, I mean, I have two young adult children and if I could still wrap them in bubble wrap, I probably would. Right. But you can't. Right. So, so you have to understand that the best way of actually uh, protecting your kids is preparing your kids. 
preparing is protection. So what is resilience? You know, Ann Mastin, Dr. Ann Mastin, who's one of the first writers about resilience, she calls it ordinary magic, meaning it's really not that hard. People really have the ability to be resilient within themselves. But, you know, it's, it's how do you put on that magic or how do you allow that magic to elevate itself? And more than anything, it's about the security that comes from really trusting, unconditionally loving relationships. And when a parent is absolutely there for you and um, unconditionally, right? And unconditional love, it's not like, Sue, it's okay to do lots of drugs. Unconditional love is, I'm not going anywhere. You can rely on me. And that unconditionally loving person also holds you to high expectations. But not high expectations, you know, you began this conversation about like success, not high expectations around grades or performance or scores. Probably the single most protective thing for a young person is to be seen, Mm -hmm. to be known as they really are in all of their goodness, in all of their strengths and have somebody who holds you to being your very best self. And that's parents' unique role, knowing that you're okay just the way you are, special as can be, and that you're magically in love with them. Love the language that you use, yeah. And, and it, it's, the magic of it is beautiful. I mean, to see, hear, and value a child is magical in and of itself because the worth that the child is feeling is the biggest gift, right? There's so many adults walking around this planet that don't feel their own worth. And so in order to raise this next generation with worthiness, we have to begin at home with that ability to see, hear, and value everything every day. Why do we love? So that children know they're worthy of being loved, right? Mm. That's, let's just say that again. Why do we love? So children know that they're worthy of being loved. That launches you into adulthood securely. And, you know, this isn't a hallmark card. It's not something that is just about you are like kissing your kid every day and saying, I love you. You know, love is an active, active process of seeing all that is good and right in a human being seeing them as they deserve to be seen as they really are and holding them to being their best selves, right? And that is so protective against bullying, against low expectations around so many of the undermining forces in the universe. Yeah, it involves holding space for them when they're struggling and upset, even if it's the most minor of situations or in our minds so little that we can't understand why they are upset. It's still holding space for them in these moments that feel heavy for them. I love that language, Sue. It's just brilliant language you just used because you didn't say fixing. You didn't say solving or resolving. You said holding space to make people feel safe with their own discomfort is really how you build resilience. Yeah. So I have a question uh, for you about the teens that you work with. 
I'm curious what message these teens would like to share, you know, from, from just your everyday work with parents in general. So this particular episode will be aired to parents worldwide. What do the teens want the parents to know, think about, pay more attention to, or, you know, maybe just celebrate? Gosh, there's so many answers to that question. The first one that pops into my head is listen to us. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, one of the best ways of helping young people develop is to have a sounding board, someone who really isn't going to judge them, who cares about them intensely, and who recognizes them as experts in their own lives. Right. Um, because teenagers are really trying to figure out how to navigate the world. And they may not have the wisdom of years, but they do have expertise in the lives that they navigate. And when we listen to them, um, and you know, I'm going to quote, you know, you Sue, hold spaces for them, then um, then the relationships will get built. Um, and I I have to say that while this may not come out of the words, out of the mouths of teenagers, the lesson that parents need to hear above all is you matter, right? Because there are so many messages um, that suggest that, you know, parents don't make a difference in the lives of adolescents. But these are all myths. These are misconceptions. I can knock them down one at a time. Adolescents think they're invulnerable or invincible. Not true. Adolescents don't care what adults think. Absolutely not true. Adolescents are thoughtless, reckless, or inherently risky. Absolutely not true. Adolescents don't have the ability to think rationally because they're always thinking emotionally. Not true. These are all things that when you believe these myths, you're going to end up thinking that the best thing you can do for as a parent is to control or protect your parent, your child, or to just hold your breath during adolescence and wait for them to get past it. The truth about adolescents is that they care more about what adults think than, or what their parents think than they care about anything else. They want their parents to be involved with them. Now, do they want privacy around personal issues? Yes, yes, yes. But they want guidance around safety and about how to grow into being a contributing member of society. They absolutely do. So if I had to create a poster from adolescence to parents, it would be, you matter, please know that. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Is there anything else that you want to share with our parents today before we wrap up that is important for them to know? I actually think that what I just said was the most important thing for them to know. Um, And I will say one other thing is when you buy into the myths of adolescence, then you're expecting kids to be these incredibly moody, irrational people. And as a result, we sometimes miss young people who are in trouble, right? Because we always are looking for young people who are depressed or anxious. You know, that's when resilience uh, reaches its limits. And we're looking for people who are, you know, getting exhausted or not eating or not sleeping, or if nothing else, sad. 
And what happens when that's what we expect is we um, are missing half of adolescents who are depressed, who aren't sad at all. They're angry and irritable. And if you believe the myth of adolescence that says adolescents are always irritable, you're going to miss those kids who really need a higher level of support from us. Mm. So if a kid's moody occasionally, that's called a normal human being, right? Um, of any age. But if an adolescent is always irritable, always angry, you deserve um, a professional evaluation. Well, know? it never hurts to seek seek out a professional in those cases, to be safe and sorry. Absolutely. So where can people find out more about you? I know you have your latest book coming out or just out, and I'd love for you to share where people can find that as well. Sure. So I write primarily books for the American Academy of Pediatrics, but they're for all parents. And if you want a general book um, on everything we know about building resilience, um, the fourth edition of Building Resilience in Children and Teens just came out. If you have a child who's particularly anxious and you're trying to find that nice balancing act towards uh, supporting them to find themselves and protecting them without overprotecting them, then the book Raising Kids to Thrive might be most helpful for you. And the Center for Parent and Teen Communication, we do a lot of work in a lot of different ways, but we have a website that is free, um, that is available to everyone called parentandteen.com. Um, it has lots and lots of materials for parents to learn effective communication strategies. And it has some materials for teens as well, so they can learn how to talk to their parents. And probably my favorite thing is develop a comprehensive stress management strategy. Because if young people know how to manage stress, they're gonna avoid a lot of those risks that we fear and be healthier and more resilient. Your website is chock full of information. I, I will make sure that the link is there for all parents to take advantage of. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining, Ken. It's just a pleasure having you here and speaking with you about your knowledge and brilliance and the work that you do in the world. Thank you for all that you're doing, Sue. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. And thank you to all our listeners. Remember, every moment is a new moment for Conscious Connections. Thanks for listening to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend. And be sure to give us some stars and a favorable review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in.